Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. And I'm glad to have you here today on Thursday, March 4th. It is a beautiful day here in Jacksonville. Not sure about you go, you guys up in uh, Virginia or the folks over in Mississippi or in Georgia, but it is beautiful here. And uh, I am really excited. Thursday's our guest day. We always bring a guest in and have uh, somebody come in who um, has resources out there that maybe you haven't heard about. And uh, today's guest, we've had him on before. He's a, a great contributor to the kingdom. And uh, we share a lot in common. I don't even know if he knows all the stuff we have in common. For you folks out in Mississippi who are listening in Meridian on WMER, uh, our guest today was born and raised in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Um, and and he went to the same school I did, only he he graduated about 12 years after me. Uh, Mississippi State. And so all you Bulldog fans listening, uh, uh, welcome Justin Peters to SWAT Radio with me today. Justin, welcome. How are you? Hey, Doug. Go dogs. Yeah, go <laughs> dogs. Well. How are you? <laughs> so you grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi. I did. I did. Born and reared in Vicksburg. And uh, Did you go you to know, Warren there, Central? Uh, oh, I did. Graduated from Warren Central in 1991. Sure did. Well, did yep. you did you did, did you ever know a lady over there named Louise that worked in the office? Louise. Louise. That does ring a bell, Doug. Yeah, it Louise. Does ring a bell. Lu, Louise was my cousin, and uh, she. I have a lot of relatives that grew up there. I had an uncle named Benny that ran a Sinclair station there in Vicksburg. And there weren't many, uh, you know, the one with a big uh, dinosaur on it. And so, uh, so yeah, well, you, you grew up not too yeah. far from us over in Meridian, but I, I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, you, you went and uh, got your degrees, uh, both your Master's of Divinity and, uh, and Theology from Southwestern uh, out in uh, Fort Worth, Texas area. Did you have Dennis Swanberg for anything, or did you ever get a chance to come across Dennis from out there? No, no, I never did. Mm-hmm. No, um, I know he has some connection to it. I think he graduated from Southwestern, but no, I never had him. I don't think he was a – he wasn't a professor when I was there. Okay. Um, well, well, so, well. He, I met yeah. him out at Glorietta a long time ago, but uh, you uh, – you have quite the ministry uh, of going around and speaking and have done a lot of research uh, about what we're talking about this week on SWAT Radio. We've been talking about the miracle that Peter did in Acts uh, chapter 3 and how really the miracle wasn't for the man as much as it was about Messiah and how we, in, in our culture today, there's a lot of bad teaching out there about healings gifts of healings and stuff and so i really appreciate you coming on today and i i would love for you to share just a little bit during this first part of your own story like how did you even get involved in ministry and and how did this become something because you you travel around i know you've spoken out at grace church in california john macarthur's church out there and uh, you you've been 
you know, you, you've traveled all over the country and I don't know, even maybe the world teaching about this subject. How did you get involved with it? Sure, Doug. Uh, well, a, a very long story, as short as I can make it, is I was, uh, as you said, born and reared in Vicksburg. Uh, I was born with cerebral palsy. I walk on crutches, and uh, I have kind of a moderate case of cerebral palsy. Uh, I can speak, thankfully, clearly when some people with CP cannot, mm. but uh, I do walk on crutches and need a fair amount of help from uh, day-to-day uh, activities and chores, but uh when I was 16 years old, a neighbor of mine came up to me. This was a man who went to our church at the time, First Baptist Church. So it was not a Word of Faith church, but uh, but this individual in the in the church was Word of Faith. And he came up to me, and uh, he said, Justin, God has spoken to me, and he's told me that he's going to heal you as long as you have enough faith. And when I was a teenager, this resonated with me. I wanted to be healed. I wanted to be able to do all of the things that my friends were doing, you know, play football and drive at the, um, I couldn't, couldn't drive at the time. I can now with some uh, handbrakes and whatnot, but at the time I didn't think I'd ever be able to. And so I really latched onto that. And he told me about a faith healer who was coming to Vicksburg named Nora Lamb, L-A-M, a Chinese woman. And uh, she was, she wrote a book entitled China Cry. Oh yeah. I've uh, heard of that book. I sure have. Yeah, yep, yep, that's her, that's her. Well, well, she had a healing crusade scheduled in Vicksburg, and this was, I just remember the date, it was December the 3rd, 1989, and uh, 16 years of age, and uh, this neighbor of mine spent a lot of time with me in the, week, in the weeks leading up to our arrival, and uh, he was showing me a lot of scripture that I now know he was taking out of context, but at the age Sixteen. I didn't know the first thing about hermeneutics and never even heard the word. But uh, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, by his stripes we are healed and things like that. And so I was completely convinced I was going to be healed. I thought I had all the faith. And I went to see Nora Lamb <laughs> and obviously was not healed. I left on the same crutches that I walked in on. Uh, so that was my first exposure to the health and wealth, prosperity, gospel, word of faith movement. I didn't even know. At the time, it was a movement or it had a name or anything. But uh, that was my first exposure to it. Uh, and and some have made the charge that I do what I do because I'm bitter, that I wasn't healed when I was a teenager. And, uh, Doug, I can say that, honestly, nothing could be further from the truth. I, uh, I have a, by God's grace, I have a, a right understanding of the sovereignty of God. I know that this is God's providence for my life and if i have to live the rest of my life with cerebral palsy so be it that's okay i've got all of eternity to live without it so um i'm not i'm not bitter at all but that was my first first exposure to this health and wealth gospel that is led today by people such as benny Hinn and joel osteen and kenneth copeland and creflo dollar joyce meyer um Andrew Womack, uh, Joseph Prince, these are some of the more well-known names. Even Bill Johnson and, um, from out in the, out in, uh, the oh, yeah. Northwest, too, right? Yes, absolutely. Bill Johnson in Redding, California, Bethel Church. Um, and, by the way, you should know, our listeners should know, when your church sings Bethel music, they are singing music that is created by a cult. Uh, Bethel Church is a cult. It is a theological cult. Um, and 
when you purchase their music, sing their music, you're sending money to fund a cult. Um, so anyway, but it, it wasn't until years later that I began to study this movement at a more academic level in seminary at Southwestern, as you mentioned. And, and uh, then I began in seminary to realize how heretical this movement actually is. And uh, it's not just that it's wrong on a few things. It's not; These are not minor theological differences. They have uh, the Word of Faith, you have sought Reformation movements as a different view of God, a different Jesus, a different atonement, different Christology. Uh, it is indeed a different gospel. And so um, I have developed this seminar entitled Clouds Without Water. And uh, Clouds Without Water is a reference in the book of Jude, verse 12, referring to false teachers. And my seminar has dozens of video clips of all these false teachers. And so I let people see and hear for themselves what they actually teach. Point by point, we correct the heresy and bad theology with the truth of Scripture. And uh, so, yeah, that was that's kind of it. I, I, I did my very first seminar back in 2004. So um, I've been doing this now for about 17 years. And um, there is no shortage, unfortunately, of material. I There's mean, probably more video clips TV. now than ever, right? Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, if I put everything in my seminar that I would like to, I mean, it would, you would have to watch it for a month, you know, without a break. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, there's no, it's, it's a constant endless stream of it. And, um, and this is sadly the face of Christianity around much of the world today. Um, well, yeah, and people get upset when you start questioning this, even though most people, Justin, I've found, are not familiar with the Bible in context. They just hear the verse or hear verses, and they take things out of context. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand they there's there's this hodgepodge now of teachers, Word of Faith, New Apostolic Reformation, and prosperity gospel that have kind of melded together. Can you explain each one of those terms, word of faith? Because I know you've mentioned that a couple of times. I know what you mean, but for our listeners, and then new apostolic reformation, what that means, and then prosperity gospel, what that means. Yeah, sure. So the word of faith movement is actually rooted in the metaphysical cults. It began with a man named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby, and then later Essek W. Kenyon, both of whom were heavily influenced by various metaphysical cults like Christian science, New Age, New Thought, uh, Gnosticism, and and really this Word of Faith movement today is a kind of a warned-over version of the ancient heresy of of Gnosticism that the Bible alludes to, New Testament alludes to in in several places. Um, But this higher knowledge that you can go deeper with God but to go deep with God, you've got to disengage your rational thought, put your brain in neutral. Um, they believed in a spirit-matter dualism, um, which is right at home with Christian science. Uh, and so that's that's the Word of Faith movement. It has a The Word of Faith movement holds that we can speak things into existence, just like God did. We can speak our own words of faith. And our words of faith have creative power in and of themselves. So we can, in fact, Creflo Dollar 
has a tweet of, I have this as part of my seminar. He says, and this is, I just have it memorized. He says, quote, as spiritual beings, we have the ability to speak things into existence just like God did. Wow. End quote. <laughs> Crazy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's heresy. They, they blur the line between God, the creator and us who's created. And uh, this uh, is the same Creflo dollar, uh, Excuse me. This is the same Creflo Dollar that also asked for millions and millions of dollars for a jet to take him around the world to preach the gospel. Correct. Correct. Yes. And uh, <laughs> that standard fare. Yeah, Creflo. About four. I guess it's been about four years ago now. He made some news because he was trying to raise seventy-six million dollars for his private jet. Yeah. And. And, and that's just to buy the thing. I mean, that, that doesn't even count the insurance and operating costs and all that stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Copeland is well. Kenneth Copeland has more than one jet. He's got at least two jets and then some kind of a biplane things that he that are just his toys. I mean, these people are opulently wealthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a level of wealth that is beyond most people's comprehension. Uh, Kenneth Copeland by his own admission, is is a... Is He's probably a billionaire now, isn't he? Isn't he probably a billionaire? Yeah, was, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and and so how how does... Well, these people, they have more faith in faith than they do Messiah. Uh, that's the way they teach. And so what about the New Apostolic Reformation? What What, what is that? Yeah, New Apostolic Reformation is a twin movement word of faith. It's everything word of faith is, everything that we just described, even worse. It has even more emphasis on miracles, signs and wonders, uh, modern-day apostles, uh, hence New Apostolic Reformation. It was begun by a man named Peter Wagner, and he's the one that first coined the term New Apostolic Reformation. And uh, uh, with New Apostolic Reformation, there's there's a bit of distinction between NAR and word of faith primarily in their eschatology. Uh, most Word of Faith people in their eschatology are premillennial, pre-tribulation, um, kind of a dispens- dispensational, you know, to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. New Apostolic Reformation is post-millennial, post-millennial on steroids. In other words, they, they get into dominion theology. They believe that it is their uh, mandate to Christianize the world. But by that, they don't mean just fulfilling the Great Commission. They mean, if you've ever, if our listeners have ever heard of this term, the Seven Mountain Mandate, we've got to take over the world's institutions, the educational system, the uh, arts and entertainment, the business, the government, all these institutions, we've got to take them over um, by force if necessary. And then, and only then, when we literally Christianize the world, not Will Jesus come back? But can he come back? So it's like post-millennial theology or eschatology on steroids. Uh, but what we're seeing today, well, in in the episode we've talked about Bill Johnson, and then Heidi Baker, uh, Rick Joyner is the episode Reformation. Chay on uh, th- those are some of the more well-known no, no, well-known names in the episode Reformation. But what we're seeing today is the two streams, Word of Faith and NAR, they're melding together. They're basically just melding into one. And you see classic Word of Faith guys like Benny Hinn 
um, preaching with and partnering with and speaking at conferences with classic New Amsterdam Reformation like Bill Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, they're cross-pollinating and even Hillsong. A lot of people like Hillsong music. Well, Bill Johnson and Hillsong partner with one another and endorse one another. And Bill Johnson has spoken at Hillsong conferences. So, so it's real. There's there's a, a bit of distinction, but not a lot of difference. They're all basically one and the same, and then uh, they all hold to prosperity theology, prosperity gospel. It is always God's will for a Christian to be wealthy, and it is always God's will for a Christian to be physically healed. You should never be sick. Uh, and if you do get sick, it's because of your lack of faith. Um, but um, and if you're not healed, it's your lack of faith, it's your unconfessed sin, something like that. It's like your lack of giving. You know, if you've ever heard a preacher say, sow a seed so you can reap a harvest, well, that's that's word of faith, NAR, prosperity theology, all the same thing. And, um, yeah, if a preacher ever, if you ever hear a preacher tell you, sow a seed into my ministry so you can reap a harvest, run like the wind. You're, you're yeah, because they're just asking asking for money. Well, you know, uh, uh, Justin, we've been talking about this past week about Peter and how when Peter says silver or gold I don't have, that doesn't that kind of blow a hole in the prosperity gospel that the leader of the, the movement that Jesus left behind makes a bold statement like that? Like, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, how do right. they get by that statement? That just, to me, his his followers were not wealthy people. No, no, they weren't. And Jesus himself, the Son of Man, has nowhere to lay his head. So, um <laughs> Yeah, they they ignore verses like that, Doug. They that's their their go to uh, way of dealing with such texts. They just ignore them. But uh, I do. I have one video where Oral Roberts, before he died, they he was a, at a meeting with Kenneth Copeland, and they were actually kind of mocking that verse. And Oral Roberts said, "Silver and gold have we plenty." Wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I ask people often in my teaching, what is it in the lives of Jesus or in the lives of the apostles that make us think we are entitled to health and wealth? Silver and gold have I none. That's exactly what Peter said. And all of the apostles died for their faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter, would we think, you know, according to church tradition and some extra-biblical sources, was crucified upside down. We know that Paul was beheaded. John the Baptist was beheaded. All of, I mean, what what is it in the lives of the disciples that make you think you're entitled to have your best life now? Hmm. I mean, this, this gospel, this false gospel that they are teaching is so 180 degrees antithetical to the true gospel. It's a different gospel. Um the, the prosperity gospel is one of self-fulfillment. The true gospel is one of self-denial. Mm. So it is a it is a 180 degrees opposite of the biblical gospel. Well, well, they believe that people that well they don't believe this. I mean, they discount the uniqueness of the apostles of Jesus as compared to people today. Don't they believe that people can be apostles today just like they were? 
They do, Doug. Yep, they absolutely do, and that's one of the cornerstones of their their false theology. Uh, they believe that that there are modern day apostles, but there aren't. <laughs> there are no more apostles today. And and to just kind of run through this real quickly, uh, to be a a capital A apostle, and by that I mean an apostle of Christ to hold that office. And I say capital A because the Bible does use the term apostles in kind of a, just a general sense. The word apostle literally means one who is sent out from mm-hmm. a church to do the work of the ministry. So there's kind of a general sense in which people are little a apostles. They're just sent out from an evangelist, a missionary, something like that. But capital A apostles, that that we use to denote the office of being an apostle, the, the, the apostles of Christ, to hold that office. To be a capital A apostle, a man had to meet three requirements. Technically, a person had to meet four requirements. First one, you had to be a man. So <laughs> assuming you're part of, you know, you're in that half of the population that you're a man, then there's three other requirements you've got to meet. Number one, you had to be a first-person eyewitness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. You had to see Jesus raised from the dead uh, with your own two eyes. Number two, you had to be appointed by Christ to be an apostle. He had to appoint you as an apostle. Uh, You didn't decide yourself. You didn't wake up one morning and think, hmm, I think I'm going to be an apostle. That's what I want to be. And name yourself an apostle. Uh Uh-uh. Didn't work that way. Jesus had to make you an apostle. And then number three, you had to have the ability to perform the signs and wonders of an apostle. You had to be able to heal the sick, um, cast out demons, raise the dead on occasion. You had to be able to perform signs and wonders. And to be a true apostle of Christ, you had to meet all three of those requirements. And Doug, there is not a person alive on the face of the planet anywhere today who meets even one of those requirements, much less all three of them. Mm. So there are no more apostles. Big A, right? No big A apostles. (laughs) Uh, No big A apostles. Yeah, well, so Justin, real quick, we've got a few minutes before, we got a break for the news on the half hour, but what about these people that say they have these healing ministries and all the, they're claiming all these healings and claiming all these miracles. What do you do with that? Is it, is it counterfeit? Is it, you know, is it, uh, are they faking? Cause I, I, I shared this week when I was over in Africa, my team and I witnessed a pastor paying. We went into a church at the hostess invitation and it was a, a church that, practice the word of faith stuff and they paid people that pretended to be ill we saw them being paid after the service and one of them pretended to be foaming at the mouth one of them pretended to be uh, lame and they were healed in the service we didn't know at the time it was fake we just saw it going on but at the end of the service they were both paid we saw that you know away from where the crowd was and it was done very secretly, but I just, it made me wonder what is, is what we hear about going on? Is it counterfeit? Is it satanic? I mean, what is it? I mean, how, cause people are making all these ridiculous claims and some of them fantastic claims about healing. I mean, one, uh, 
Andrew Womack claimed to have raised uh, a guy from the dead, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, and I don't know how long we have before break. So we we got two minutes. We got two time. two minutes until we break. Two minutes. Okay. Okay. So um, the vast majority of what you see with these claims of healing are fake. They're just, they're fake. They're not, they are not real healings. Uh, some of it is outright deception, like what you saw in Africa. That happens all the time. I've got documented proof of this as well. In fact, uh, a, year, a couple of years ago, it was a pretty famous thing. Uh, this guy was raised from the dead, supposedly in Africa, right out of his coffin. Uh, they, they, there's video of it. You can still find it today. With a man, uh, he was in a white suit, white jacket, white pants, and uh, you know, thousands of people at this church. And they brought in this coffin, and he just—he literally came out of his coffin. He like gasped for air and came out of his coffin, and he and he looked all bewildered, like, "Well, you know what happened?" And it, it's an amazing miracle, right? Well, <laughs> it was a complete fraud. Uh, in fact, when you look real carefully, the guy, the dead guy, had a cell phone in his pocket. And yet you can literally see on video. I mean, oh my gosh! It's just it's it's lunacy. Now, the vast what what happens with most of this, Doug, is psychosomatic healing. Mm-hmm. Some people really do think think they are healed, and they do feel better for a little while. But it's psychosomatic. It's not a real organic healing. Hmm. And there's a number of uh, uh, ailments from which you can have a temporary relief from just by a rush of adrenaline, a rush of endorphins, you know, heightened emotional states. And you can temporarily feel better, and you do feel better for a little while until the euphoria subsides and new day dawns and the symptoms always reappear. Psychosomatic healings happen all the time, mm. like any human crusade. That's what's going on. Mm. You never see a an amputee growing your limb because no matter how excited an amputee may get, no matter how happy he may feel, he's not going to grow any leg. Yeah. And so um, those kind of healings you never see happen at human crusades. Well, at least charismatic healings. Never, well, ever, ever. Well, hey, we're talking with Justin Peters on SWAT Radio. We're going to be right back after the news. Please stay tuned. And uh, thank you, folks, for listening. uh, If you want to hear this or share this with a friend, you can tell them to go to SWATradio.com, and it'll be posted within a couple hours of the program. We're going to be right back with more of Justin Peters on SWAT Radio. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries with my guest today, uh, Justin Peters. And uh, I wanted to let you know about a couple of resources that you can get. You can go to justinpeters.org. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-P-E-T-E-R-S.org. And uh, Justin has Clouds Without Water, uh, a DVD. Uh, He's got a great book called Do Not Hinder Them, about childhood conversions 
And uh, that book has a forward by Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you right now, John will not put forward into too many books. So uh, uh, I, if he's put a forward to that, then uh, it means it's pretty biblically sound. And I, I've never known Justin to not be. And um, Justin, again, I, I just appreciate your willingness to come on and spend a few minutes with our listeners today to talk about these important issues. You know, in your uh, seminar, Clouds Without Water, uh, you start off by talking about the duty of discernment. Take a minute just to tell people why it's important for us to to not get sucked into this. I mean, as as believers, because you almost feel bad sometimes because you feel like you throw water on people's parade. Like, why wouldn't we want people to be healed is what we were made to feel like. Uh, but why is it that we we should be Berean in the way we deal with it and be discerning and answer these people uh, in the word of faith, new apostolic and prosperity gospel fields? Yeah, Doug, that's a great question. And uh, uh, one of the things that makes false teachers so appealing and so dangerous is that not everything false teachers teach is false. Some of it is right, but there's enough error and heresy mixed in with it to corrupt the entire thing. Um, If I were to have a glass of water, just pure water, you know, that water would be perfectly fine. I could drink it. It would be good for me. But put in a drop of strychnine into that water, then should you drink it? Mm -hmm. No. No, it would probably kill you. So a little bit of poison does a great deal of harm. And the error, the percentage of error and heresy in the Word of Faith movement is far, far higher than in the illustration of the water and the strychnine that I, that I just provided. Um, not everything that Benny Hinn teaches is wrong. I've heard Benny Hinn say things, uh, a lot of things that are absolutely right. But I've also heard him say a lot of things that are blasphemously wrong. And, and so it's that mixture of error and heresy that is so dangerous. The greatest threat to the church, spiritually speaking, is not from Islam or Buddhism or Hare Krishnas or, you know, name your favorite false religion. The the greatest threat, spiritually speaking, to the church doesn't come from those professing to be, or, or that are outside of the church. It comes from those who profess to be inside the church. That's the greatest danger. And, um, you know, Kenneth Copeland, I mean, if you've ever watched a program on Kenneth Copeland, you might know that at the end of every program, it's kind of his byword, his his, uh, motto, if you will, is what he's known for. At the end of every program, he says, Jesus is Lord. Well, you know what? I agree with that. Jesus is Lord. But he doesn't mean by that what the Bible means by it. He has a different Jesus and a different gospel. So um, it that's why discernment is so is so vitally important. And, well, that's and like a Joel Osteen. <laughs> Joel Osteen holds his Bible yeah. up, and they say this, this is my Bible, and they go through this whole thing with the Bible, but then he never exposits anything from the Bible. He merely quotes a verse and then goes off on a tear of some element of the prosperity yeah. gospel or word of faith. And, uh, right. and so I get, yeah, I get that. That's a, that's a good word. Well, I want to let our listeners know real quick, your Clouds Without Water seminar, 
uh, you talk about word of faith and, and the need for discernment. You talk about where its origins come from and you give names and you talk about people that are out there doing it now. And, uh, you, and this is all scriptural, all expository of scripture. When you do it, you talk about different abuses, whether it's abuse of tongues, uh, people doing bizarre behavior in churches and attributing it to the Holy Spirit, glorifying the Holy Spirit, not glorifying Messiah. Uh, and you do uh, a session on the hurt of healing, where you talk about healing. Is it always God's will? And, and I really want to encourage you, if, whether you're in Virginia, Mississippi, Florida, or Georgia, you know, if, if this is an issue that's affecting you, uh, your church or people in your community, uh, bring Justin in. He would love to come to Florida, I know. Virginia, probably Virginia too, but Florida, uh, if you're in Florida, South Georgia, you know, it's warm down here. He's up in Montana. So even Mississippi, man, he'd like to get down then back back toward home there. Uh, but uh, Clouds Without Water, he does other seminars too. He does a seminar on uh, the Ruinous Ruse of Rome seminar, and it's a biblical critique of the institution of Roman Catholicism. And uh, he goes through and talks about that. He does one on Do Not Hinder Them, where he talks about childhood conversion. So many different uh, teaching seminars. And, and Justin, I appreciate you spending the time to invest in research and being a biblical preacher, uh, because I know you preach and teach uh, expositorily in your hermen. In fact, I think you even do a seminar on hermeneutics, which is about getting it right. Uh, you know, I was reading a thing today on um, uh, that they, you know, where they where they came out with the twelve great preachers a couple of years ago. You know, or it says the twelve most effective put out by Baylor, and I'm I'm looking at the names, and two or three of them I already know have compromised. Uh, in hermeneutics or in things. In fact, one of them on there made the statement not too long ago that uh, we need to detach from the Old Testament. Well, how do you preach? <laughs> how do you exposit the New Testament without that? And so I want to talk to you just a second about preaching in general and what we term preaching today. Um, what's your assessment of what's going on in our country right now from a preaching and hermeneutical standpoint? Oh, Doug, it, it's, it is a sad, sad state of affairs. And, and that one that you just mentioned, Unhitching from the Old Testament, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. That's Andy Stanley. Um, it, it, is, it is a tragic state of affairs when you look at the, at the most well-known preachers today. Um, <laughs> almost all of them are, are unqualified to be behind the pulpit because they do not cut it straight with God's Word. They don't rightly divide the Word of Truth. And the vast majority of preaching today, T.D. Jakes, you know, he's, a, he's a, a false teacher as well, doesn't even believe in the Trinity, and yet he's one of the most well-known and popular preachers of our day, Joel Osteen as well. Um, they, most preachers today do what's called topical preaching. Uh, Stephen Furtick does this. You, you take a topic like how to have better relationships or something like that. And you um, then you go bouncing around the Bible trying to find some verse to kind of support your thesis of what you're trying to say. So in other words, what you're, the point you're trying to make is the main issue, 
and then the Bible becomes just something that you add in, throw in for a little bit of of support. That's not how preaching is supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. A preaching should be when you start with the scriptures and you do what is called exposition, mm-hmm. expositing the, the Word of God. It, it literally means to expose the meaning of the text. You begin with the scripture, you read it, and you explain it, explain the meaning. Kind of like what you see on shampoo bottles, wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> you read the text, you explain it, and then you do it again. Uh, you expose the meaning of the text, because it is the text of God's Word that should be the content of our preaching. It should drive the direction of the sermon. Uh, everything should be determined by the text. Uh, and and very, there's very, very few true expositors out there. John MacArthur is one. Paul Washer is one. Steve Lawson, Bodie Balcom. These are some um, some of the more well-known names that are that are true uh, expositors, but uh, uh, it, it's hard to come by nowadays because people don't want that. They don't want, as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time will come when people will no longer endure sound doctrine, mm-hmm. but will heap to themselves teachers who tickle the ears. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is exactly what's happening in the vast majority of pulpits today. Did, did you ever know a guy named Stephen Olford, Dr. Stephen Olford, by chance? I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with him, not real familiar, but yes. Yeah, he, he was a, a mentor of mine, and he drilled into me that without exposition, you have no authority. That basically, I mean, we have no authority anyway. The Word's the only thing that has the authority is it is preached. And, and so, you know, that was, I mean, one of the things, Justin, just so you know, I don't know if I've ever shared this, you know, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth, and we have five Bible studies in town, one outside of town, and every week we're teaching through Acts. And so as we teach through this uh, verse by verse, you get to see context and you get to learn context. And that's one reason I appreciate you and your ministry so much is that's what you do. But we live in a culture of celebrityism now. And even people that start off that way, like Andy Stanley, I remember, used to teach expositorily a long time ago, okay? But he's drifted away from that uh, to, to become more pragmatic. And you had an article on your website um, about Beth Moore, who is a very well-known um, writer, speaker, and something that happened that I was really, I, I was not aware of. She has a book called Praying God's Word. And recently, she is another one of the people that kind of has stepped back from proclaiming God's truth. And I'm not sure why. Uh, I read your article, but I, I didn't really get why she did it, though. Why she pulled. She Could, could you share a little bit about that just in a sec? Because she's so influential out in the world uh, with women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Beth Moore is enormously popular. I kind of tell people if, if Southern Baptists had a female pope, it would be Beth Moore. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's uh, the thing with Beth Moore is that the stuff that she put out 20 years ago, uh-huh. I'm not going to say it was good, but it was less bad than what it is today. Beth Moore is is going the wrong direction and steadily so. She's actually going the wrong direction of what you would expect to see with uh, someone who's true 
qualified to preach God's word. Uh, she's, I hope that if God gives me another 10, 20 years on this earth, 10, 20 years from now, my preaching and teaching will be better than it is today. That's what you would expect with just more, you know, accumulated knowledge and study. It should be, it should get better. Hers is getting worse. Um, for one thing, she preaches to men, and she'll even do it on a Sunday morning in a church. She preaches to men. That's outside of biblical parameters of, of the roles of men and women. Uh, Beth Moore is, honestly, her hermeneutics, how she interprets Scripture, she comes up with some of the most bizarre interpretations of Scripture that I've ever seen. And that says a lot dealing with when you consider what I deal with, at least what I'm most known for with the Word of Faith and prosperity stuff, um, the meaning that she can come up with out of a text of Scripture is just Looney Tunes. Um, and she's now, she's also, well, she's very charismatic. She claims that Jesus asked her to come out, or invited her, I should say, to come out and play with him in the snow, and she and Jesus built snowmen together. I'm not making this up. It's in her book. In fact, it might even, well, I think it's a, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. It might be when godly people do ungodly things. But anyway, uh, she has some of the more most bizarre things you, you could ever imagine. Uh, and she's heavily now involved in the social justice movement. She's mm-hmm. fully woke, to use that term, fully woke. Um, so I do not at all. Uh, point people to Beth Moore. I, I say run from Beth Moore. She's not qualified to do what she's doing. Um, she is good friends with some well-known Word of Faith preachers like Joyce Meyer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Well, they've become really close, right? They've become very close, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got video of Beth Moore just lavishing praise on Joyce Meyer. And uh, when you look at what Beth Moore is teaching nowadays, her her theology is, it's her theology, Doug, is kind of a mixture of word of faith and social justice. That's kind of where Beth Moore is mm-hmm. right now, word of faith and social justice. So, um, yeah, she's not, she's a false teacher. I, I just have to say that she's a, she's a false teacher. Well, tell, tell me about this um, thing that yeah. happened with Praying God's Word, this book she wrote, where she she actually removed a section, right? She did she she rewrote it or something? Yeah. Yeah, she had a section in in that book on homosexuality, and she said the right things about it, that it's sinful. Uh, It's outside of God's uh, design for men and women. It's sinful. Uh, But now that she's become woke, she removed that section out of her book, and she says that the reason she did so is because she did not want to you know, put, cause a be a stumbling block for maybe a, a young lady who's struggling with homosexuality and you know where she is and her sexuality. So she didn't want to be a stumbling block. Well, well, wait a minute. If if you believe that the Bible teaches as it does, First Corinthians six uh, nine to eleven, that that homosexuals, among others, listed there, that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. The most hateful thing to do to for someone who says they are homosexual is to say that um, I mean, it's no big deal. No, it's okay. You know, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to warn you about that. I mean, if you're a homosexual, it's it's okay. No, if you're a homosexual and you die in that state, you'll go to hell. Now, if you die in in a state of uh, habitual heterosexual immorality, you'll also go to hell. So it's not that that's the only sin that will send you to hell by any means. It's not what I'm saying. But she she will not. She is not willing to come out and say homosexuality is a sin. And if you die in that state, you have no chance of going to heaven, even if you profess to be a Christian. There's no such thing as a gay Christian. She will not say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her daughter, Melissa Moore, who writes a lot of her stuff, Melissa Moore is, I think Beth Moore and Melissa, Beth and Melissa are identical in their theology, but uh, Melissa Moore is more willing to plant her flag, I guess, on these issues. Melissa Moore gives thumbs up to lesbian preachers, uh, homosexuals, theological liberals. She gives she gives hearty approval mm-hmm. to these people, openly so. Beth Moore, I think she's a little more careful to do that, but but Melissa writes a lot of her stuff. So um yeah, Beth Moore Beth Moore is a false teacher. She is off the theological reservation. uh, But see, this is a problem, Justin. A lot of these people who started off who were at least trying to be biblical, or at least you thought they were. Like I heard the other day um, that Tim Keller was tweeting out some kind of woke stuff on his Twitter, and I think Phil Johnson brought it up in one of his things. And, uh, you know, and then Jim Dennison out of Dallas. Do you know him? He... He he lifts he talks about an illustration of loving our neighbor and how a Christian church did a GoFundMe to help rebuild a mosque. And I'm just like, whoa, I think that crosses a line. Like I, I can't in all the my years imagine any apostle or disciple helping to rebuild an idol in the name of Jesus. I just can't I can't fathom that. No. I nor can I. In in, in nor 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 could the the apostles ever consider doing anything like that. Their 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 whole business was to preach the gospel and to tear down idols. I know, you know, both. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And, and, and metaphorically speaking, and you know, idols. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Tim Keller is he's woke. You know, he's all heavily involved in the social justice movement, and yeah, uh, Tim Keller is a false teacher too. Yeah. And and that's the danger, isn't it? That wokeism, uh, Justin, isn't that really the danger of what's coming up with critical theory, critical race theory, all this stuff getting woven in, and, and churches are getting away from the gospel and getting into social justice. And Jesus, Jesus was about loving people, but he was more about the gospel than he was any social justice issues. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't come to right any real or perceived social injustices. That's not why he came. The apostles did not try to, you know, make <laughs> uh, make the 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 social structures more equitable. That's not what they did. They preach the gospel, and that's what we must be doing as Christians: is preaching and teaching the gospel. 
uh, it's not our job as Christians to uh, fix the culture. That's not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel. Now, as we preach the gospel and people are converted, one of the one of the fringe benefits, if you will, the more people that come to know Christ, that will have a a sanctifying effect in the culture. But um, but our our mandate is not to redeem the culture, and uh, that's one of the problems I have with the what's kind of broadly spoken of as the religious right. Now, I am as conservative politically as they come, and I vote. But uh, you could turn the entire United States of America into Mayberry. Mm-hmm. But without the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've just got a better place from which to jump into hell. Mm-hmm. So uh, our, the gospel has got to be primary. Well, I want to go to one other thing, and I realize this is probably going to upset people who are listening some, uh, but it's on your website, and, and it's another article you wrote, and it is such a popular devotional book today. It's called Jesus Calling. And um, yeah. r- just really quick, we got about four or five minutes. Um, why is this uh, why why would you encourage people if they're really reading this not to read this from a biblical standpoint or maybe an alternative to this why, why should what's what's the problem with this why is this book a problem yeah Doug. um so jesus calling is written by a lady named sarah young and uh sarah young Jesus Calling is no ordinary devotional book. Sarah Young claims that her inspiration for Jesus Calling came from a book entitled God Calling that was written by two anonymous female mystics back in the 1930s. And these ladies claimed that they learned how to tune into God's frequency. And when they tuned into the right frequency, God began to speak to them, and they began to write down what he was saying. This was Sarah's, Sarah Young's inspiration for Jesus Calling. And so, just like the two female mystics with God Calling, Sarah Young, her own words, practice waiting quietly in the presence of God. And she tuned in to just the right frequency, and all of a sudden, she got a message. And so she wrote it down. And then the more she did this, the better she became at it. And she says, with, with pen in hand... It's a direct quote. With pen in hand, I began writing down whatever I believed he was saying. And when you read these devotionals, all 365 of them, they're written in the first person for Jesus. I, Jesus, will do such and such. I am this. I am that. And so she is claiming that she is basically channeling Jesus and writing down whatever he tells her. Now, if that is what is happening and she's writing down what Jesus says to her, then she's writing Scripture. Mm -hmm. That's what she's doing. Because God cannot speak less authoritatively on one occasion than he does on another. If God is speaking, God is speaking. And whatever he says should have just as much authority as any verse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so that's... If what she is claiming is true, then everything that she writes in Jesus' calling, we should add 
of the Bible. It should be canonized. Um, and so, it, it, and obviously, you cannot have that. The, the, the canon of Scripture is closed. God speaks to us today not in dreams and visions and still small voices, and that's a verse out of 1 Kings 11 that's been taken way out of context, but God speaks to us today in his word. That is how God speaks. I, I tell people, if you want to hear God speak to you, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. Mm-hmm. That is how you hear God speak. Uh, so, yeah, Jesus Calling is a it's extraordinarily popular and exceedingly dangerous. Well, you can uh, you can go to Justin's website, and he's got a link on there for a really good critical review of that to see really some specific some specifics. One of the things, Justin, that struck me is they changed the original introduction to because of the offensiveness of people who might be hermeneutic hermeneutically inclined or more biblically based to go, whoa, this is not good. This is not a good book. You can't read this. So they took the introduction and reworked it and took out those things where she was being honest about what she intended and what happened and they changed it. But um, I know we we're, we're almost out of time. I mean, the time has just flown any closing comments about that. That real quick in thirty seconds. Yeah, Doug, you're exactly right. They did do that. Um, so, some people who are more hermeneutically inclined, doctrinally astute, began raising legitimate red flags, and so they they reworked the introduction, but the, they haven't changed anything. Uh, the, the premise remains: is that Sarah Young claims yeah. God, that Jesus began talking to her, and she wrote it down. So nothing has changed. They're just they're trying to whitewash. Wow. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I want to give you his website one more time, justinpeters.org. Lots of great resources on there. Get Justin to come speak at your church. Do a conference in your community. Clouds without waters. You will not regret it. Thank you, folks, for listening. Justin, thanks for being with us. We're going to be back tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual